This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us today on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Andy Dane in for Rob Hart. So it is Entrepreneur Friday. We'll meet the founder coming up of an English-style pub in the Streeterville neighborhood. That's in our next segment. But right now, a measure of inflation closely watched by the Federal Reserve is out today. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business, is Carl Riccadonna, Chief U.S. Economist at BNP Paribas in New York. Carl, thanks so much for joining us here on the WBBM New Business Hour. Uh, let's start Wall Street. Uh, looking like it is liking today's headline inflation data. In your eyes, what is kind of behind the, the strength here today? Well, we can't uh, divorce what's happening on the inflation front from what's happening in terms of real activity in the economy, like consumer spending, which is also part of that report. Uh, and what we can see is that consumer spending looks like it is decelerating. We saw a, a great burst of energy uh, at the start of the year, but that seemed to be largely related to cost of living adjustments in Social Security payments, which was a nice uh, windfall for retirees in January and February. And ever since then, we've been losing momentum. And then certainly if consumers are losing momentum, then consumer prices uh, are also starting to show some uh, some waning uh, pressures as well. And, and so this continues a theme that has been largely in place this year of inflation pressures really starting to ramp down. Uh, and Carl, shifting now over to, to the Fed policy, that's something that obviously investors are keeping a close eye on. What are you looking at here with the Fed policy, your thoughts on, on where things stand right now? Well, I think the Fed came out of its last meeting with some really hawkish messaging. They uh, increased their inflation forecast. They signaled two more rate increases uh, would likely be coming down uh, the pike uh, later this year, uh, one in July and one either in September or November. I think what we see coming out of these, uh, that both the, the, the slowing in activity and also the, the slowing in inflation pressures, uh, is that maybe that second rate hike won't even be necessary. So we're very close to the, uh, the end point here, what we call the terminal rate uh, for the Fed funds rate, uh, which means then they can go into a holding pattern uh, rather than uh, further increasing the amount of restriction in the economy. Uh, Carl, a lot of talk lately here about recession uh, in recent months, uh, a lot of back and forth there. Where do you stand on on, on where exactly we are uh, in terms of a, of a recession? Well, it's very hard to nail the landing when you're monetary policymakers at the Fed and you're trying to put uh, just the uh, right amount of uh, dampening uh, onto the economy. And so our concern is, and we've not been in the recession camp for the last several quarters saying it's coming, it's coming. Uh, we uh, only uh, uh, this year moved to the view that we would move to recession in the back half of the year. And so we're standing by that call. But I would just caution uh, your listeners uh, to not equate recession with uh, what we've seen in recent recessions. The last couple of recessions were very extreme events. Uh, it was a public health crisis during COVID. And the recession before that was a global sovereign debt crisis and certainly a mortgage and housing market crisis uh, here in the U.S. Uh, not all recessions have to be of that uh, level of uh, extreme uh, kind of pain uh, in a lot of economic indicators. And so we're looking for a much more mild version of recession, but we do think it is coming in the second half. And Carl, one final question for you. You mentioned kind of the, some of those economic factors. Job market holding up pretty well here. How are you looking at employment here in, in the coming months? 
Well, the job market uh, continues to run hot, uh, very tight labor conditions. Uh, but if we see economic activity slowing down, then very often uh, the labor market uh, quickly follows suit. So we're at a, a very strong starting point, uh, but we're looking for that momentum to ebb. Uh, maybe not when we see the June jobs report uh, a week from today, uh, but I think in the next couple of months we will see uh, more evidence of a deceleration. Great stuff. As always, Carl Riccadonna, Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas in New York. Thanks for joining us, Carl. Coming up next on this Entrepreneur Friday, bringing a British feel to downtown Chicago. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It is Entrepreneur Friday here on the Noon Business Hour. And in this segment, we're spotlighting a just-opened British pub in downtown Chicago as we welcome Manish Malik, founder of Monarch and Lion. It's at 302 East Illinois here in Chicago and officially opened yesterday. So a very new restaurant to the scene. Manish, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, let's start. Tell us about Monarch and Lion and what uh, what guests can expect as far as the cuisine goes. Absolutely. Uh, such a pleasure uh, to have this opportunity to talk with you. Uh, Monarch and Lion is an uh, uh, elevated British pub that we've uh, brought to the neighborhood of Streeterville. Uh, the goal is for our community to experience the, uh, the royalty and uh, amazing hospitality of, uh, um, of London. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the pub culture and uh, wanted to uh, bring our uh, vision to uh, the Chicago community. So you mentioned kind of that pub culture, and I know there are some, some pretty popular spots here in the downtown area. What is it that will set Monarch and Lion apart from, from some of those other locations in the city? Great question. Besides the fact that it's a beautiful space with 25-foot ceilings, uh, you know, we uh, put in all custom wood panels, a lot of uh, millwork to uh, showcase uh, the, uh, the British uh, version of pubs. Uh, I know there's a lot of Irish pubs, which I love in the community as well. Um, we've uh, partnered with a uh, Michelin star chef from London. Um, this is the first time, in, in my opinion, we've uh, brought a, a Michelin star chef from across the pond in London to the United States, uh, Chef Jitin Joshi. Uh, very uh, technically sound, has worked with uh, Gordon Ramsay as a pastry chef and also helmed couple of Michelin star restaurants in London. So the menu is delightful, uh, delicious. Uh, we have amazing pints. Uh, we have pies. Uh, we have the chicken tikka masala and the chili cheese naan amongst uh, some of the um, uh, amazing uh, menu items. Wow, it's great stuff, and it is lunchtime, so I'm sure you're making a lot of people out there uh, pretty hungry, Manish. One, one last question for you uh, before we let you go. It is Entrepreneur Friday. Uh, obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic changed everything for, for a lot of businesses, especially uh, the restaurant industry. What was that like, kind of getting through that, that process and now opening this restaurant? And, and any advice you have to, to maybe some other entrepreneurs who are looking to open a, a restaurant of their own? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, keep fighting uh, for your vision. Don't let uh, fear take over and uh, dissuade you. 
uh, if you believe in something strongly, go for it. And all you'll do is uh, either be very successful or learn uh, a good lesson. Great stuff. Manish Malik, founder of Monarch and Lion. You can find that at 302 East Illinois in Chicago, officially opened yesterday. So go down and uh, take a bite and see what it's all about. Coming up next, a review of your air travel rights. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It has been a rough week for airlines. Severe weather on the East Coast has disrupted schedules, and airports today are packed with people heading out to 4th of July destinations. Let's talk now what passengers can do when faced with delays and cancellations. We're joined now by Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it is going to be a, a tough weekend, likely, for many traveling, uh, whether they're heading to 4th of July destinations or wherever else. If someone's kind of caught up here in the travel chaos, I mean, is there any passenger recourse besides maybe voicing your displeasure? What can passengers do if they're caught up in the chaos? Well, once they're caught, and the, the, the recourse is very little, uh, the airlines owe you almost nothing. They can cancel flights with no regard for your schedule. The things you need to do are before you travel. You need to know, you just heard that it's an hour in on the Kennedy from O'Hare. Well, you know, as a Chicagoland traveler, you know there are alternatives to the Kennedy. You need to have that same mentality with the airlines. Know your plan B. Have a plan B. If your flight doesn't go, you can say to the person at the ticket counter, I know there's this flight. Can you help me? Also, if you're stuck and you can't go, don't wait for the airlines to put you on a big line for vouchers for food or uh, hotels. Go get your own hotels. Go get your own food. Save the receipts and fight with the airline later about compensation. So, Joe, if you get to a scenario where your flight is is canceled or for whatever reason you need to rebook, where are we now with that process? I mean, have, have we progressed? Is it easier these days to to rebook a flight due to jam-packed planes, or, or has there really not been much movement uh, in, in that category as far as the rebooking process? Well, we're always at the, the mercy of the, the number of available seats. And even with perfect weather, this was – expected to be the busiest weekend since the pandemic. In fact, we may actually pass pandemic uh, passenger counts, but it actually is easier. Have the airlines, make sure the airlines have your email address, your your mobile number, your text, uh, your texting situation, because very often the airlines will automatically rebook you if they have a cancellation. The problem is if they can't reach you to tell you that, you don't know that. So make sure that you look at your profile, that they have your email and your phone and your mobile phone number so they can reach out to you proactively when they do it. Joe, a final question for you. There have been talks and threats of some pilot strikes here in recent weeks. Do you see that as a likelihood here, maybe even further complicating some of the travel headaches? Well, airlines are, airlines are run by the Railway Labor Act, as weird as that sounds. Um, you can't just go on strike. You, you need permission from the government. Uh, they need to release you from negotiations, and then there's a 30-day cooling-off period. Uh, even if the even if the government said to an airline, Southwest Pilots asked for that uh, this week, you'd you'd be months away from any problem. So that's not going to be an issue. Maybe for Christmas, but right now, don't worry about labor situation. Fascinating stuff, Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com. Thanks so much for joining us. 
here on the Noon Business Hour. Still ahead on this Entrepreneur Friday, a look ahead to Tech Chicago Week. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Andy Dane in for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. More streets in downtown Chicago being closed ahead of the NASCAR street race. The Supreme Court issues its ruling on the legality of President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. Entrepreneur Friday will get a preview of the second annual Tech Chicago Week set to begin July 10th. And gasoline prices remain high in the Chicago area. We'll look at that, plus the national fuel picture. A check of the market to this hour. The Dow is up 293 points. NASDAQ gaining 209. And the S&P 500 up 55. Hazy sunshine followed by thunderstorms this afternoon. A high 91. Cooler at the lake right now. Cloudy and 88 degrees at 1231. Final preparations being made for the NASCAR races this weekend, and that means more street closures. Grant Park has in recent days become steadily less accessible to vehicles, and this evening and overnight, the final closures take place. Southbound Michigan Avenue will be shut down starting at 5 p.m. between Balbo and Jackson. The northbound lanes are already closed. And overnight, northbound DeSable Lakeshore Drive will be closed between Randolph and McFetridge. The southbound lanes are already closed, and so are the streets traversing the park. The city says the priorities for reopening are DeSable Lakeshore Drive, Michigan Avenue, and Columbus. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness plan is unconstitutional. Here's CBS News correspondent Major Garrett. And a 6-3 decision from the Supreme Court, writing on behalf of that majority, Chief Justice John Roberts addresses that question. Did the HEROES Act, passed by Congress in 2003, give the Biden administration's education department the right to modify or amend that act to provide the student loan forgiveness? The court, through a 6-3 majority, says absolutely not. The plan has been on hold since six Republican-led states who claim the program is a violation of executive power took the case to court. And save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, stocks are trading sharply higher on Wall Street today. Joining us now in the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business, Paul Nolte, Senior Wealth Advisor and Market Strategist with Murphy & Sylvest in Chicago. Paul, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us here on the Noon Business Hour. Uh, we've wrapped up the first half of the year. Let's take a look at your forecast for the balance of the rest of 2023 moving forward. Yeah, the stock market is uh, taking off a little bit like NASCAR ahead of the weekend, and I think that momentum may continue on at least for a little while. It, the market, the first half of the year was led by big tech, continues to be led by big tech, and a lot of that is on the back of uh, excitement around AI, artificial intelligence, and what kind of profits that may bring to a lot of those companies. The key here is, and what we got today was inflation data that came in a little bit better than expected, and that may mean that the Fed does not have to be as aggressive in raising rates, and that is music to Wall Street's ears. Well, Paul, you mentioned artificial intelligence. I'm curious to get your read kind of on the AI trade here in the second half of 2023. It's, you know, it's going to be interesting because we don't know what that profitability looks like. We don't know how that application is going to roll out. We don't know who the winners and losers will be in, in rolling out all of that information. We can go back to the uh, late 1990s, early 2000, when AOL and MySpace were the big winners, uh, but they're no longer around. So we're not sure who those long-term winners are going to be. 
prefer to sit on the sidelines and kind of wait to see what happens because uh, there are plenty of other opportunities in the marketplace today. Uh, for those who are already kind of sitting on the sidelines, maybe not just with AI, but but in general here, uh, any advice to, to investors who, who have been kind of waiting it out and, and tentative to, to get back into the market? Yeah, we do now have opportunities. There used to be no, there is no alternative with interest rates at zero. You can at least get five, five and a quarter percent in short-term treasuries. Uh, so there is some yield now available in the bond market. There are parts of the market that have been ignored, small cap value type of stocks, large cap value. Those parts of the market have been kind of passed over here and do provide some very good potential rates of return as valuations for many of those companies are below their long-term averages. But again, if you're investing for the next few weeks, few months, uh, maybe the rest of the year, treasuries might be a good place. But if you're still looking at a three, five plus year time horizon, I think the equity market still provides some good value. Paul, I want to also ask you you kind of a two-part question here. You mentioned a a few sectors, but as you look at the market, any areas that you find cheap right now that maybe are more appealing? And and on the other side of that, uh, any market areas that you are steering clear of for now? Yeah, steering clear of more of the technology. You know, a lot of those companies' valuation levels are not are as high as we've seen back to 1999. Uh, so that part of the market not so cheap. Parts of the market that are cheaper are a little bit more in the industrial, healthcare side of the market. Industrial has really kind of suffered as interest rates have come up uh, and anticipating uh, a recession sometime maybe later this year, early next. But those areas of the market have been beaten down a fair amount. I think those are providing some good value, some good long-term value. They pay some good dividends. Many of those companies raising dividends. So you get some income flow uh, over the course of the of the time frame that you're holding those stocks. And Paul, to put a bow on it here, you mentioned just kind of different, different parts of the market. Where do you see things kind of technically? What are the charts telling you uh, as far as the remainder of the year is looking? Yeah, I mean, we're in the best part of the of the cycle, if you will. If you take a look at the presidential cycle or you know any of those types of things, third year, which is where we're at, tends to be a very good year. So we could see that continue on. Again, from a, a technical perspective, a lot of it, because it is so narrow, has been led by the big tech names. That may not look so hot at this point uh, because you see the generals running forward and the troops not following. So, again, I would prefer those areas that have been lagging a little bit, and that's part of the reason why we're, we're looking in the sectors that we are. Very helpful stuff, as always. Paul Nolte, thanks for joining us, Senior Wealth Advisor and Market Strategist with Mercy Murphy and Sylvest in Chicago. Up next on this Entrepreneur Friday, a look ahead to a major event for Chicago's tech community. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Ladies, Entrepreneur Friday, the second annual Tech Chicago Week, set for July 10th through the 14th. And let's get a preview from Brad Henderson, founder of Tech Chicago Week, again, the 10th through the 14th, with events around the city. Brad, thanks for joining us here on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Uh, For those who are maybe unfamiliar, uh, talk a little bit about Tech Chicago Week and, and what people can expect. Great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tech Chicago Week is a massive celebration for all corners of the Chicago tech community uh, from the 10th to the 14th of July. So coming right up, uh, we'll have a week worth of activities, including a massive day on Thursday of that week, the 13th at Navy Pier. We expect to have over 3,500 people there. Uh, and we'd welcome everyone who's passionate about this topic in this field to come on by. 
So, Brad, there's a lot of diversity as well. But 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 if you could t- tell me a little bit about kind of Chicago's tech community, uh, where it stands right now and, and just how diverse it has become in, in recent years. Yeah, if you think about Chicago, we are one of the true tech hubs of our country. And we lead in everything from obscure and emerging topics like biotechnology and quantum computing, uh, really as hubs for that. But actually, when it comes to uh, uh, BIPOC founders and women, uh, are one of the strongest places in the country in terms of in supporting those kinds of entrepreneurs. So if you look at the data, you try to find where for early stage entrepreneurs does the most funding go for underserved founders. Chicago in that area is also a true leader. So one of the real strengths of Chicago is that whether you've got a crazy science idea, uh, an idea in the food space, um, or you come from a background that normally isn't as supported by that scene, Chicago is a great place uh, to grow and build. So, Brad, AI really kind of dominating a lot of conversation uh, these days. What can those who are maybe very interested in AI expect from Tech Week, and, and maybe what can they learn uh, as, to, as far as AI goes and how that's going to be involved in the in the events? Yeah, that's one of the great parts about uh, Tech Chicago Week is it's a place to come learn about the newest trends, find your next job, or even find an, an investor for the business idea you have. And AI is one of those topics we have to learn more about. If you think about the feature of the event, we actually have a Chicago-born true leader of this space across the world, a guy by the name of Tom Siebel, uh, who's created a company called C3AI, which is on the absolute cutting edge of this work. And so uh, whether it's our first event with interns early in the week or a big day on Thursday, AI will be a key thread to the conversation and really not a better place to come learn more about it and see how you can get involved. And Brad, kind of from the founder perspective, from where you stand here, obviously this is the second annual uh, Tech Chicago Week. What 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 did you learn from the first year? What changes kind of went into to rolling this year out as, as far as what, what was kind of taken from its inaugural uh, week? Yeah, if I think about it, Chicago is a big place, and we tend to stick to the groups we know well. Uh, and what we learned last year uh, that just blew us away was the extent um, that you can just change the way people work and operate by bringing people from all over the city, all sectors, all backgrounds, all stages together in one place. It's one of the most energizing moments I've had in, in my career. And so this year we took that learning and we've just trying to take it entirely to the next level. And so if you come on Thursday, uh, we have countless hubs of different areas of interest, lots of variety in terms of the topics, ways you can roll up your sleeves and get involved in workshops. And so I think the thing we're really leaning into is just the variety and the diversity of Chicago's tech scene and how much magic happens when you bring that together. And it'll include things like our sports communities. We actually have Scotty Pippen and Iota Sumo there as well, some cultural leaders, uh, some, some artists that will be there And so it's really, to me, about bringing the very best from all corners of Chicago into one place in one conversation. Very exciting stuff. It's all happening July 10th through the 14th. That is Tech Chicago Week. And he is Brad Henderson, founder of Tech Chicago Week. Brad, thanks so much for joining us here on the Noon Business Hour. Still to come, an update on gasoline prices this 4th of July weekend. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
Well, gas prices around Chicago are hovering around and above the $4 a gallon mark. Let's get an update on what is happening locally and also nationally from Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst with GasBuddy.com. Patrick, great to have you with us here on the Noon Business Hour. Uh, we, we've seen a drop in gas prices nationally. However, here in Illinois, they've not declined a, a whole lot. Why exactly is that? Why not the decline here locally? Well, we've seen a little bit more of a decline. Uh, if you look back a couple of days, it was pretty flat. But here just ahead of July 4 now, the average in Chicago, at least, maybe not downstate, but Chicago's average down 13 cents a gallon in the last week to 4.24 a gallon. Uh, certainly not too bad, but certainly much better than last year when the average price was 5.78. And actually just looked at data, the national average for the first time since April has fallen below the $3.50 a gallon mark. Again, just in time for July 4, millions of Americans preparing to hit the road, and we're seeing falling gas prices just ahead of the weekend. Well, obviously, Patrick, that's going to be the headline for everyone, especially as a lot of people get in their cars and, and head out for the weekend, that, that, that prices are dipping. Why is that? What are you seeing from your perspective of why the drop? Well, a lot of it still has to do with uh, slowdowns in the economy concerning oil markets, even against OPEC and Saudi Arabia's production cuts. Uh, we've seen countries like Turkey and Switzerland continue to raise interest rates. And China, we've seen after uh, uh, reopening from COVID, not much inspiration from Chinese oil demand. And so for that reason, oil prices, uh, at least up until a few moments ago, still struggling uh, to hold on to that $70 a barrel mark. And with overall the price of oil under pressure because of a global economic slowdown, that's putting gas prices under pressure as well. Now, we could see prices bounce around through the summer, but we tend to see prices get cheaper as we get closer to the end of the summer. And I'm hopeful that'll be the case this year. All right, Patrick, I'm going to have you peek back into your, your kind of crystal ball there, as you just did. You mentioned kind of you know ping-ponging around the summer. If you had to predict, uh, where would you think we will be throughout the rest of the summer and, and into the fall as well, as far as, as what we can expect prices at the pump? Well, I, I think, you know, certainly at 421 a gallon today, we may go a little higher, especially keeping in mind that some of the severe weather a week ago temporarily interrupted the BP refinery and whiting. If those issues arise, August could see a little bit of a perk up. But on the top side of things, I really don't foresee the Chicago average going above the $4.50 uh, cent a gallon mark. And that's going to mean prices a little bit lower in the suburbs. Uh, on the flip side, if things go well, if we can avoid refinery disruptions, if we can avoid major hurricanes in August, the peak of hurricane season, well, we could be looking at prices by Labor Day that could average below the $4 a gallon mark. So that's where we'll hope we're headed. Uh, but certainly a lot of risk remains with hurricane season, the peak of which is just on our doorstep. Absolutely. Always great stuff from Patrick DeHaan. He is Senior Petroleum Analyst at GasBuddy.com. Patrick, thanks for being with us. And a reminder, if you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.